It's great to see you guys. So uh, if you've been here for any number of past weeks, we've been studying, hearing the voice of God, the theology behind that, what that looks like, how we tap into that. And um, tonight, I want to explain situations where, and if, if that sounds foreign to you, go back and uh, check that out. Or come to the front and pray with someone tonight because um, God wants to hook up all of our phones. No one should be without cell service in this room. So um, on that, but there's a particular issue that's been driving me nuts probably for uh, many years since I, I started watching other people hear from God. And that was when people say they hear from God or there's a prophetic word, and then the things go the complete opposite direction. And the question came is, why do many prophetic words, dreams, and visions, why do they not come true sometimes? It really bothered me, and so I've been working on this kind of message for a while, and I thought it'd be appropriate after we went through hearing God's voice, because if we're going to have a, um, an honest conversation about hearing God's voice and about championing us to hear him, we better also talk about getting it wrong, too. And it's probably an area that no other preacher would ever dare go into that I'm going to go into tonight. <laughs> And here's the reason why, is that I believe there's nothing as powerful to an unbeliever who experiences someone who hears the voice of God and demonstrates it powerfully in their life. On the flip side, there's nothing more damaging than someone who wants to hear from God, who witnesses somebody say, I'm hearing from God and is completely wrong. And so what I want to do tonight is actually talk about that because that side of the coin actually places barriers to genuine people who want to experience it for themselves. It creates doubt and skepticism. So tonight I'm going to cover, can I hear wrong or misunderstand the voice of God? I'm going to talk about if Satan can trick you and deceive you into thinking that his voice is God's voice. I'm talk about if a word, a dream, or a vision can be incomplete or come in parts. I'm going to talk about if God's plan that he speaks can be altered. And I'm also going to talk about if we have a role or responsibility to play when we hear God and when we see his word go forth. Are you guys ready? Buckle up. All right. So number one is we heard wrong. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> Every person has been misunderstood. Anybody in this room never been understood? No. Everyone in this room has been misunderstood. God is misunderstood all the time. We did an entire like 12-week series on how we misunderstand God about a year ago. And it's amazing how you can have individuals who protest and picket whatever favorite sin they want, and they all do it saying that they're hearing from God. I would agree, I would disagree with that and say that he's not telling you to do that. But people say that God told me to do this, God told me to do that. And the people I actually trust the most when it comes to hearing God's voice are people who actually acknowledge that they have heard wrong or they've gotten it wrong. In fact, I believe that getting it wrong sometimes is actually the key ingredient to always hearing it right. When you tap into God's voice, you have to know that that, that pursuit of God's voice is going to come with deception. It's going to come with an enemy who wants to create a perversion of it. It's going to come and try and steal away and confuse you. But I believe that getting it wrong, and all of us are going to get it wrong once in a while. But that is actually what is going to equip us to hear it right. Check out this passage, Proverbs 16, 18. It says, pride goes before destruction. We all get that verse wrong. We, we misquote it. We say pride goes before the fall. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. Haughty. Not a haughty like out here, right? 
Well, maybe, because it means arrogantly superior. Arrogantly superior. I heard from God this. Are you sure? Oh, I'm totally sure. Oh, I'm totally sure. God is very clear. I don't even need to ask him again. That's a hottie for you. So hottie. And if you've never heard wrong from God, you are setting yourself up for a big fall because you are the biggest target to be deceived because you pass everything unfiltered. You need to have some quality assurance safeguards. It's why we, like, when we open up a Coke, there's not, like, a rat inside. You know, there's, like, people in there that can, like, verify and do some QA checking, right? The same thing is when we hear from God, we need to have a discerning spirit. God gives wisdom. He gives discernment. He gives a spirit in all sorts of facets to equip us that when we hear God's voice, we actually are equipped to understand it and to verify it is from him. But here's what we do is we think that asking God to confirm a word is lack of faith, but it's not. Truth welcomes examination. There's been people who've like made comments about um, us and about things like, oh, hey, well, come on by. We're an open door. Wait, we come ask anything you want. You want to talk with one, one of our leaders? No problem. But lies, they hide from examination and never want to be restated. So the best way that you can actually authenticate what God's saying is like, God, would you reveal it again? He has no problem with that. God doesn't mind you asking to confirm and the greatest words I've ever experienced from God weren't just these one-off times. They were things that God gently spoke to me over and over and over again. If you read the Old Testament, you'll see that God repeated his promises over and over and over again. Now, there is an exception to this. Sometimes God inspires and leads you for the purpose of establishing obedience instead of accomplishing an outcome. There's biblically, uh, like Abraham. If you know the story from Abraham, like God told him, like, you're going to sacrifice your son. You know, he goes up on the altar and he's like, about ready to, you know, and God stops and, and provides the, the sacrifice. But God, I believe every once in a while, for some of us, he will establish in you a call that will bring you to greater faith and greater obedience to trust in him. Why? Because God needed to know that Abraham trusted him even when it was crazy sounding. And there's a discipline that comes into saying, God, I'm going to walk in faith even though my mind tells me this is nuts. I'm going to choose to put myself in a position of obedience so that I can have an increase of faith. There's so many stories in here I wish I want to tell, but my favorite one is, uh, is Kelly in here. And um, I have gone on a few adventures with people, and every once in a while, someone feels like God's calling them to like, do prayer ministry of some sort. And so she got the, the pretty intense uh, inclination that she needs to go pray for someone who died, that maybe God would raise them from the dead. Right? And that's what happened. So... She goes, and she's like, all right, Lord, I'm going to go. And uh, so she gets there, and she's like, uh, you know. And so she's looking around, and, and she's there. And she's like, where's the body? <laughs> and it was cremated. <laughs> so this is going to be interesting. <laughs> but you know what? I believe that in those situations, that God is honored by the faith and not the outcome. I actually believe that she got the same credit for being obedient to go to someone's funeral and to go and pray for them even though that they've been turned to dust, literally. 
God bless her soul. I've driven in El Salvador. We had somebody who uh, wanted to do the same, and so we drove like three hours to their funeral. And if you haven't done something where God has led you to do something so crazy and you didn't get in a car to go do it and we're wrong, then you aren't taking chances with God. It's one thing to hear from God and to step out in obedience. When you step out in obedience and it raises your faith and it causes you to say, this is so far out of my, my comfort zone, there's always a return. Even if you did hear wrong, if it increased your faith, I believe God still validates that and gives you credit. I believe he inspires you. It gives you strength. The second thing is the wrong spirit is speaking. The wrong spirit is speaking. Have you ever been on a cell phone call and then all of a sudden you hear someone else's like conversation jumping in? Isn't that kind of weird? Like, hello? <laughs> the frequency started getting mixed up. Now, Satan in the Bible is referred to the prince of the power of the air. Here's another passage. And ironically, I think it's why so many Christians and so many churches are terrified of technology. Because they think, oh, he's, you know, Satan's part of the air. And, and in fact, when the radio was invented, all the churches were convinced that the only way that radio frequencies communicate back and forth to one another is that demons carry the messages. And so the churches were like terrified of like the radio. They thought it was like the mark of the beast. It seems like technology always is like, oh, the mark of the beast. You know, all those things. I remember a pastor talking about AOL and saying that AOL is the highway to hell, you know. I'll never forget it. It's crazy. But I don't believe God's going to come through, you know, Facebook or Twitter or something like that. I believe, though, that um, the voice of God and the lies of Satan will actually sound exactly the same. The voice of God and the lies of Satan will sound exactly the same why? It's because all inputs, we are made spiritual beings to be receptors. All of us are. And whether God or demonic spirit, the entry, the, the compelling force, the urge that we feel, I actually believe comes in a very similar feeling itself. And then we put words to it. We feel compelled and then we, we bring it to existence with words. Some people feel like they can hear the audible voice of God. That's not me. For the most people I know, they feel like this urging, this kind of compelling, and they use their mouth and they use their mind to interpret what the urge is. And when that comes, ourselves are the filter, are the, the, is, is the thing that puts it into reality. Are you with me? But that feeling that comes is actually, I think, it, it's sometimes undiscernible. But the intent and the fruit of what's being said is examinable. And that's what you need to watch for. Just because you feel something does not mean God is always speaking. One of my most powerful verses that I have been just so transformed by is Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is deceitful above all else, meaning that just because we feel it doesn't make it truth. And so as we feel the impressions upon our heart, our soul, our mind, they can sometimes feel the same, but they have totally different agendas. And that's why 1 John 4.1 says this, says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. How, how many know that you don't need to test something unless two things are very similar? We test things because they can come similar. The devil says in 2 Corinthians that he comes and masquerades as an angel of light. Not pointy tail, red pitchfork, you know. 
Um, Jesus was even tempted by, by Satan who used scripture against him. Chris Valentin says that your greatest weakness is your greatest strength overemphasized. Meaning your greatest strength, that Satan was going to use that and overemphasize it to cause you weakness. What I found too is that the devil will draw you in with fantasies of noble purposes in order to bring downfall. He will use noble fantasies, noble ideas to draw you closer for downfall. You know the most common, the most common story of someone who stumbles in relationships here? It's, it's nine times out of ten. I met this hot girl, and I wanted to bring her to Epic. And I'm only hanging out with her because I'm sure she's going to get saved. And I want her to be around Epic, you know? It's not going to happen that way. Like, you aren't called to minister that way, you know? Come on. Someone say amen. amen. You don't flirt to convert. <laughs> There's no missionary dating here. But you know what? This... The enemy, he'll try and says, hey, that girl needs church, so go hang out with her. Take her to dinner. Talk about Jesus. Pray at the meal. There it is. Yeah. Now she'll get sick. No. Don't do that. Because what you're being drawn into, this noble purpose of being this knight in shining armor for this damsel in distress, and she really needs Jesus, but you are setting yourself up to be ensnared. I tell you what, every story of someone who has compromised kind of almost goes in that direction. It's crazy. Don't flirt to convert. Number three, the word was incomplete. In the summertime, we talked about revelation. It is possible to have partial revelation. Perhaps there's more to come. You hear from God, and, and, but perhaps there's something else that was trailing behind it. Perhaps there is another key part to it that was still waiting. You need to pause and wait and confirm and ask yourself, did this word, this promise, was it like followed by to be continued or part one you know, or, you know, anything like that? Sometimes we're so quick to take the very first thing we hear from God and run with it. Jesus said this to the disciples in John 16, 12. It says, I have many more. Everyone say more. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. What does that mean? It means that Jesus delivered revelation as the disciples were able to handle it. It says that you are not able to bear it up now. Translation. All of us are in working progress to contain what God says to us. As we are able to contain more, the more God speaks to us. Someone put it to me this way, that the revelation from Jesus comes in the form of a scroll that is being unraveled and slowly revealed. Not like this map that's like, you know, laid out. But Jesus, he often speaks to us in bite-sized pieces. Enough to get our hearts and our minds aligned. Imagine if, you know, Jesus says, come follow me, right? And everyone kind of like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. He looks cool. Imagine if he would have said, come follow me. You'll be my disciple. We're going to go kick the devil's butt, cast out demons, heal the sick. Oh, and um, uh, you'll be martyred later for me, but don't, don't think about that, you know? How many people would sign up for that? No. Why? They're going to be overwhelmed. 
We're giving partial revelations so we don't get overwhelmed by his grand plan for us. It's in his mercy. Sometimes I wonder if our fullest potential is kept hidden from us because if we knew it all, it would overwhelm us into paralysis. When God speaks to you, I believe that he's holding back everything he wants to say, but if he, if he told it all to you, he knew it would crush you. My wife, the minute I met her, I wanted to marry her. I was like, I'm ready to propose right now. I wanted to tell her I love her after the first moment, but I knew that would scare her away. <laughs> Took a long time. And so it was like with every like, you know, don't say I love you, don't say I love you, don't say, and I mean, it's like that. And I believe that the heart of the Father is actually for that when it comes to speaking to us because he wants to give us enough that we can have the vision, the hope that we can move forward, but not the amount to overwhelm us to where we get overwhelmed and paralyzed. But this factor leads many well-Christians, well-intended Christians to be led astray on God's plan. Why? is because you can get a word wrong because instead of waiting for the completion of the revelation, you went and filled in the blanks yourself. You can take what's actually authentically God's word that came in part, and you're like, yeah, 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 I got this. It's like a Mad Lib. I got it, you know? And you can fill in the part that then actually turns the word incorrect. And when you fill in the blanks, you put words into Jesus' mouth that he never said. And that's how we're able to project our bias, our interpretation onto a word that then nullifies. It doesn't nullify. It confuses the intent. And this exact thing resulted in the biggest disappointment in the entire universe, in the entire Bible, is when Jesus was crucified. Everybody thought that Jesus was coming to run for political office. Everyone did. Every person was, when they said, I'm going to be the, Jesus, like, I, I have been given all authority. I'm the ruler. Like, they were like, this is the king. He's going to be taking over the world, and he's going to be our, our, our Lord of the land, all that stuff. And so in John 6, 15, check out Jesus' response to this. He says, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew. They were getting the correct revelation, but they were getting in part. It's like, I've been given all authority. They're like, yeah, we need a new governor, you know? But partial revelation is dangerous because you get just enough to mess it up. So as you hear from God, and you, you'll notice anytime that there's any prophetic ministry going on, people pull up their phones. It's not because they want to text. It's because they want to like record it, you know, and they want to memorialize it. They want to have it with them to examine the patterns and the workings. Right now, we're going back and, and finding revelations and prophecies about our ministry that were like, what, four or five years ago. It's crazy how it's coming. But the reason we're able to recognize it is, is because we memorialized it back then and we've been watching it piece together. And it makes sense. And we've known that it's coming in parts. Number four is that the word was true, but our participation was needed. One of the biggest misconceptions is that we sit back and wait for God's breakthroughs to come instead of going out and getting them. Amen? Are you guys with me? John 9, check this out. This is Jesus. As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? 
Jesus replies, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he said. Wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seen. You notice that Jesus didn't heal him right away. In fact, that guy's life got terribly worse right after he encountered Jesus. No, only am I blind. I have your spit and mud in my eye. It didn't say that I'll send you the transport. Like, we don't, he's like, I am worse off now. Like, as he's going to that lake, we have no idea. It's not like, here's a carrier mule. No, he was way worse. But in his obedience, he went and then he was saved. Not saved, healed. Getting carried away. This particular healing was contingent upon that man's participation. God's intent And his will for him was to be healed. You notice that Jesus said it's the workings of God to heal him. I'm here to do his workings. God didn't blame. God didn't say that he was made blind in order that he could heal him. No, he said the father's work is to heal. I'm here to do the healing. But the man, he participated with God's intent to heal him. God's will and intent was him to be healed, but the fulfillment was released when the man participated with God. The word says that we are co-laborers with God. That means we join with him to bring breakthrough. If we sit back and like, God, you know, just do something, anything, and we miss the opportunity that we have to play in helping bring breakthrough to us. If you want to really tick me off, you can say, I'm waiting for God to open up a door. That can like really rile me up because I met all these surfers in college like couch surfing and watching TV. I'm just waiting for God to open up a door, bro. You know, and and actually that is theologically incorrect to say I'm waiting for God to open up a door. Matthew 7, 7, where we get this, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened for you. Translation, you can't receive unless you ask. You can't find unless you seek. The door won't be opened unless you knock. The correct theology is, I'm going to go knock. That's the correct theology. You don't wait for God to open doors. God doesn't open doors. He responds to knocking. Let me say that again. God doesn't open doors. He responds to to knocking. Let me really tick you off too. Maybe it is this. Maybe God won't open a door you refuse to knock on. Maybe you're like, oh, I wish God would open this door. Oh, I wish, you know, some door would open. Maybe you're not knocking. Just a thought. Most believers will labor to get the revelation from God, but won't labor to see the word come true in their life. You need to work just as hard to see that breakthrough come through for your life as you work as hard to hear from God. Most believers labor to receive revelation from God, but they don't labor to see it come true in their life. 
You need to work just as hard to see something come true in your life as hard as you're working to hear from God about it. If people say, oh, I'm waiting for a guy to, you know, walk into my life, and well, what are you doing about it? Nothing. I want to cut you. You know, it's like <laughs> there's something you can be doing. Understanding what part you are to play in the word when God speaks, understanding your part is so critical to seeing it come to pass. I actually, in this message, it's, it's not as much a theology about words that don't come to pass. It's actually about Christians who do nothing with what they hear. This is more a message about Christians who hear from God and are hearing the prophetic, but they refuse to get off their butts and make it happen and co-labor with God. If you want to see breakthrough, you can't sit back and just wait for a breakthrough to happen to you. How are you guys doing? You guys okay? Number five, we messed it up or it got messed up. Now, don't think for a second that you can't mess up what God planned for the world. Don't think for a second that you can't mess up what God planned for the world. Also, don't think for a second that what God purposed for you in your life can't get messed up. It can. You know why? A little pesky verse in Matthew 18 says that it is God's will that all should be saved. All that should be saved. That is his plan, his will. In searching the scriptures, he blames two sources for why people don't get saved. Matthew 18 and Luke 17, it talks about a stumbling block that prohibits someone from believing and being saved. And the stumbling block comes from people. It says, woe to the person who the stumbling block came through. So he blames people, you and I, unknowingly, are prohibiting people from knowing and believing and being saved. The second is Satan in Luke 8 and 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians says that Satan blinds the eyes of people. Luke 8 says that Satan, in the parable of the seed, he comes and takes away the seed and takes it from their hearts so they will not believe and be saved. It's God's will that all are saved. People don't get saved because of other people and Satan. So let's talk briefly about Satan. It's no coincidence that in John 10.10, where it says that Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly, in that same passage, it talks that Satan comes to steal, kill, and what? Destroy. What does that mean? It means that anything that God is giving, there's somebody that's trying to take. Everything that God is doing in your life, there is a counterforce to steal what God is doing. That means that we need to take prophetic words, dreams, visions, the, the words from God, and guard them, fight for them, and pursue them so they don't get stolen. None of you guys would leave your car unlocked or your house unlocked, right? But we treat the words from God, we treat his truth, and we leave it unlocked. We, we are waiting for Satan to come and take it and steal it. And if you think that everything happens in your life as part of God's plan, then you are preparing yourself to be robbed blind by the enemy your entire life. If you don't believe you can mess up your own life or God's plan for you, you're going to have a messed up life. I promise you that. But when we realize that there's someone that's trying to come and steal and kill and destroy us, we need to have our eyes open to guard what God is giving. Are you with me? Now, people's choices. 
You need to live your life like your choices matter. Your choices either can expedite or delay the promises of God. The prophetic word is just a vision and it's just a seed. And once it's planted, you need to pursue it. If you want to see how your choices matter, you can just read the story throughout the entire Old Testament about God dealing with the nation of Israel and about giving them the promised land. And they so blew it, they rebelled time and time and time again. And God forgave and forgave and forgave and, and re-blessed and reissued promises and all those different things. And finally, they rebelled so bad that they spent 40 years in wandering and that the generation that it was originally promised was prohibited from receiving the promised land. Only two people, Caleb and Joshua, entered the promised land. But you notice that God still honored the original promise, even though the people messed it up. I believe that God can issue a word that's true, but that we can mess it up and it becomes true beyond us, either in our family, our community, another generation, something like that. And finally, the wrong season. The word was true. The word was complete. You co-labored with God. You stewarded it well. And then something went wrong. What was it? It could have been the wrong season. A word, a dream, a vision. Again, it's like a seed. And Jared Eilerin, like blew my mind when he said this, is that you can plant a seed out of season. Of course. We, um, a side pastime at our house is um, we plant things to like see them die slowly. Like we're terrible, terrible at like gardening, anything that needs to live in soil. Like it's just a graveyard in our backyard. And we plant like in season, right? But um, it's freezing right now, right? How dumb would you look if you went to like Home Depot and you bought like all of these like flower seeds? You're like, oh, it's perfect. It's perfect time to plant. Like you, you wouldn't even get far. They just would die in the soil, um, tundra. You know, like they're, gonna, they're not even going to get a start. And so you can take the workings of God. You can take his words. And then you can go and you can force it out of the wrong season. And you can, you can totally wreck it in the process. So lack of discernment for the season will allow you to jump in before you should. Let me say that again. Lack of discernment for the season will allow you to jump in before you should. God said many things that took years to pass. We get words today that prepare us for tomorrow. All the food that we ate today came from another season. When you plant, you are living for another day. We are enjoying the fruits of past investments. We don't get things in, in real time. You don't reap and sow in the same season. You need to wait as it progresses. And this happens all the time in relationships. Sorry to nail people on relationships tonight. It's not even Valentine's Day. I don't even know why I'm talking so much about it. But, but this is the, the textbook case all the time. People in their heart, they have a desire to be in a romantic relationship. They desire to be, have a boyfriend. They desire to have a girlfriend, a husband, kids, all those things. And so that desire, I believe, in Psalm 37, 4, that God gives you the desires of your heart, that they'll force the issue and they'll find themselves jumping into any relationship because any relationship is better than no relationship. Amen? That's a seed Right? That's a seed that you sowed out of season. If you're in the, the mentality of any relationship is better than no relationship, and I get it, I was there, 
that is exactly the wrong interpretation to do what God is stirring in your heart. And so those people, they find themselves in dating relationships and romantic relationships that God never intended because the word is true, but the season is not now. And maybe it, you need to co-labor with God about it. I mean, there's all the different things we talked about that could be at play. But the other way that you can mess this up is actually, besides um, planting out of season, is actually not having a regard or a care for the season or the result. You can plant something out of season. You can activate a word that God didn't intend for now, by not caring about the outcome and not caring about the legitimacy of it. What does that look like? Let me restate it again this way. You can plant something out of season when you don't care about what you are planting and when you don't care about the outcome. This comes from lack of faith. This comes from maybe God said that, I don't know. That guy, Jared, who prayed for me, who knows if he hears from God? I don't know. I'll go try it. That is out of season. That's actually not taking concern and regard for what God legitimately is doing and just being flippant about it. It comes from a pessimism and a skepticism about whether God really spoke and is he really good. So let me end with this tonight on that. As we are chasing after all of us living powerful lives of tapping into that Jesus is united with us, that he lives through us, and that we should hear his voice and be interacting with him, that we should hear him and, and what he's doing, and that we should get it right, praise the Lord. We should charge after it and do it right. We need to decide in our heart whether this stuff is real or whether it's not. You either decide in your heart that God speaks through his people and he speaks to you now or you don't. You can get through the discernment. You can get through, God, would you clarify and confirm it? You can do all those things. But unless you really believe that God speaks to his people, he speaks to you now, he's purpose for you right now, you're going to waste all of this. It doesn't matter if you co-labor with it. It doesn't matter what it is if you don't believe in the beginning. So my just prayer for you guys tonight and just us as a community is, is that we would not be lukewarm on, on what the Bible says about being connected with God, his revelation and his plan that he would speak to us. Because certainly we can mess it up. We can steward it in ways that, that completely take it off course. So that's what I got for you guys tonight. I love you.